Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. I want you to think right now, uh, picture in your mind, of a hero. Like, think of somebody who... um, that you would think when you hear the word hero, what does that look like to you? You know, a lot of times it first thing that pops into our heads, depending on what age you are and how old you are, um, is like a superhero because that is kind of what our um, what we're saturated with, right? It's if you think about it, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like ten years, like they have movies planned for like the next ten years. Why? Because we love heroes. It's it's built in us, and we want good to triumph over evil. That's why we want to see and enjoy heroes. Now, as you grow, you know, when you're younger, somebody who's a hero to you, it kind of changes in the way you look. When I was younger, um, like a hero, a good example would be like more than anything, if I had to look up to somebody, it would be uh, a man who... <laughs> who has a leather jacket and he rides in a car, a Trans Am that talks. That would be Michael Knight. That would be Knight Rider, just so you guys know. So Knight Rider, when I was younger, I used to, on Friday nights, I would watch Knight Rider and I thought, man, I want to be Michael Knight because he gets to drive around in a sweet car that talks to you and he gets to fight crime. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, as I went on, I talked to Andy early about this just a couple of weeks ago because he is also a child of the 80s. Another thing that we grew up with was Evil Knievel. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel was a stuntman or a daredevil, I guess, who would, he would take his motorcycle and he would do just like insane things. Like he would hit a ramp and then he would jump like 12 buses um, and often and he would crash too like it was weird it was like you would watch and you would hope he would make it but then you're like will he crash and it was like this thing that you would watch but he was like a hero like I want to do that and like these kind of heroes we would like emulate we would want to be like them and I remember having a toy a little evil Knievel toy and you would crank it and it would like it would and it would you know the wheels would start turning 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 all of a sudden you'd release it and he'd like go and then he would jump over something and then we would even get to the point where we'd take our bikes, right, and then we would go out and, and make ramps that was, like, incredibly dangerous and, like, try to just jump over, like, a pothole or something. And, um, but we thought we were emulating our hero and who it was. Now, we look at those kind of things. As we get older, like, our interests change in who we think is a hero. You know, a lot of times it's our interests and what we kind of uh, gravitate to. Like, it could be an author, a musician, um, and we also think of like uh, the military, uh, great heroes, the police, our first responders. Those are all people that we look at as heroes because we appreciate what they do and we look up to them. It's people we admire. So heroes reflect really what we think is important in our lives. And that's what we see. When I was younger, right, it was a leather jacket and a talking car and jumping buses. As I got older and my perspective changed, it became something totally different. Now, this past week, I went to a viewing uh, for my family. It was my, my grandfather was Emerson Keener. He had a brother, so it was Morris Keener. Now, my grandfather died when I was like uh, five years old, so I really didn't know him. So my family was kind of disconnected. Like, 
this side of my family I really did not know. Well, my mother contacted me this week and said, we're having a view, and there's a viewing in Brookville, and if you want to come, and I said, yeah, sure, Desiree and I would, would love to be there. So we went to the viewing, and we got there, and I had no idea really what to expect. Like, I, had, I don't know this family very well, so I, I just wasn't sure what to expect. And I got there, and as the pastor began to speak, he really began to talk about his faith. And I was like, I had no idea. Like, that my uncle, my great uncle Morris, he, they did like a top ten list. And his, number one was his faith in the Lord. And I was like, and Desiree and I looked at each other, and like tears came to our eyes. We were crying because as he talked about what was important to him, what was important was his family and his children, and that they were in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, like every chance the church was open, they talked about that's where they were. And I had no idea. And, um, it, and it made me happy for him because of like who he was, and what, but it made me sad too because I did not know him. But I saw that like that is a good picture of a hero to me, like the way he led his family, the what he did, and it, just, it was just totally different to be able to see that. Um, he loved his wife and his kids. And just to give you an idea, he had five children. He had 18 grandchildren. He had 45 great-grandchildren and 13 great-great-grandchildren. He was 90-some 90, 90 years old when he passed away this past week. But I look at my Uncle Morris as a hero because of why? Because something that was so important to me that I reflect on now is his faith and that he wanted more than anything the gospel to be preached at his uh, viewing and at his funeral. And what a beautiful thing that was. He is who I want to be like. He, like, that is who I want to be, and that is what a hero is. Some, somebody who you follow their example, who you want to be like. Well, today, as we turn to a new chapter in Hebrews, we see what? The heroes of faith, it is often called. Uh, the author gives examples uh, that the readers can learn from, right, and emulate is what he is doing. So if you're here today and you are just catching up, and we are, we are zooming through Hebrews, right? So we are now in chapter 11, and two more chapters to go after this. And just to kind of review just a little bit. Now, the author of Hebrews is unknown. We don't know who it is. And as we have gone and learned through this, we see that the importance of knowing the supremacy of Christ is the focus of this, uh, of this book. So not as much as who wrote it. We don't really need to know that. We just need to focus on the supremacy of Jesus. Now, to understand the context of Hebrews, we should think about who it is written to, right? We don't know specifically who it is written to, but we do know it's a group of Jewish uh, Christians, people who are educated about the Old Testament scriptures. Because throughout this book, we see him constantly referring back to uh, scripture that he is bringing back in to help them remind who Jesus is. And today we see that he is doing that again, not only with the stories, but with people that they are well accustomed to. So these were early Jewish Christians who were falling back into the rituals and practices of uh, Judaism. Uh, so the author is looking at well-known stories and now people to show that what? Jesus is superior. Uh, so today we'll be going back to the Old Testament to see great examples of what? Faith. To help these believers to understand how foundational their faith is. Um, last week was a warning. As we got to the end of chapter 10, it was a warning that, uh, that the author was giving to the people there. 
to uh, the people to hear, but to turn away, that they were turning away from the message of Jesus, and they need to understand who Jesus was, the superiority of Jesus. So our takeaway last week was, you can be confident in Christ. So important. You can be confident in Christ. As we move to chapter 11 now, we see a big shift in what he is doing. Um, All through Hebrews 1 through 10, it has been about the great high priest and who Jesus is. Uh, The author has spelled out the superiority of Jesus. And now we see all of these uh, examples and the importance of faith and what that looks like. Now, they have known about works, right? Because as we studied the, um, the tabernacle, we see that what they, they knew about giving sacrifices. They were very well versed in the works to atone for their sin. Well, now he's shifting and saying, okay, now I want you to see, we're going to talk about faith and what that is. All they knew was works. Now they're going to focus on faith. So chapter 10, verse 9 But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So do you see what he's doing here? As we move into this, he's talking about those who have faith. Now, the declaration of those who have faith is followed by a great example of people uh, who showed their faith in extraordinary ways. And I want you to really, we can kind of rush through this as we go through and see all these examples, but I really want you to see each one, why they are mentioned and why they are important. Um, it's a beautiful picture of a gallery of godly people as you go through. Um, none are perfect. None are perfect. And many are very flawed, which should give us hope because as we see examples, we're not like, okay, this is who we're supposed to be like. But in Scripture, we see that these examples of people who made mistakes as they, as they went through. But we can learn from what they did and how they lived out their faith. Now, none of them in these examples got to see the fulfillment uh, of God's plan. We see lives lived by faith in what is to come, in what is to come. An extraordinary living by faith. We should pay very close attention to each and every one of these examples. Because why? We can all learn from these examples. So, what is our big idea today? Our big idea is this. Believers are to live by faith. Believers are to live by faith. This is what it means to be a believer. That is why I put that word in there. To believe means that you have faith. You have to, be, uh, you have, to have faith to be a believer. Believers are to live by faith. It is essential to Christianity. Now, by faith, you'll see each one of these verses as we go through starts with by faith and then gives an example. Now, by faith is said 18 times. So we see that the author is making a point here when he is pointing to faith, that all of these things are done by faith. So what does it mean to have faith? Well, let's start in verse 1. Now, the author gives a description of faith, but it is not like a theological definition of faith. It's more of the attributes of what faith is as pointed to by the people that he's going to talk about. So let's start in Hebrews 1 through, uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, Hebrews 1.1, probably one of the more popular verses that we should recognize or maybe you've came across before. 
But if you're trying to explain faith to somebody, it's kind of like, okay, what does that mean exactly as we try to look what these specific words mean? Now, now faith is the, it says, assurance. Other words for assurance are substance or confidence. Uh, those are other translations. But the best translation would be foundation. It is a foundation. So faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It is what you believe. It is the foundation. Now, conviction is the evidence or proof. Now, I'll go on to explain that just a little bit more. Now, this is the author's explanation of the importance of faith to the people. Uh, Now, remember, again, this is in context to what he is going to be talking about, the heroes that he's going to be mentioning. Remember, because they have faith in what is to come, right? What is to come is the Messiah. So that is where their faith is. Um, Their hope is in the future. Their hope in the future is what? Is rooted in faith. So what is the first thing we see here? Faith is the foundation of belief. Faith is the foundation of belief. Without faith, you are not a believer. And I know thinking through that, okay, that makes sense. Without faith, you are not a believer. Faith is not like a blind assumption. It's not an intellectual guess. Um, one thing I read through was a quote from a kid this, this uh, past week that said that what is faith? And they said it's believing in what's not true. And that is not what faith is. It's not believing in what's not true. Um, it is a willingness to trust in to rely on and cling to an idea. I love the way that that kind of sums it up. But the best way to understand faith in one word is this, trust. Faith equals trust. And as we go through this, that's what this is. It is a trust, to trust in something. And as we see this, this is talking about a trust in who? In Christ, all right? So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, when we look at this scripture here that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, this is the gospel message. And this is where a lot of people get hung up. Because when we're looking at works and faith, we see, okay, if you ask a lot of people, you know, so do you think you're going to be in heaven? Well, yeah. Well, why? Because, well, I've been good. I've done a lot of good stuff. That's works. That is not correct. That is not where our faith is found. It is not works, but it is by faith. For, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is through Jesus dying on the cross, as we have read before, that he is the perfect sacrifice. He is the great high priest who sacrificed himself to atone for for sin. Each and every one of us are born into sin as an enemy of God. He's the only way. For grace you have been saved through faith. We are saved through faith, not works. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. So he's talking to, Peter is there writing to the people who have never actually met Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy, 
obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love the way he puts this here. Like, you do not, you haven't seen him, but you love him. Why? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. And it's because of him. Faith is a gift from God given to us, right, so that we can trust in Jesus. So I'd ask you this. Do you have faith as your foundation? Such an important question. If you're sitting here and you're like, well, I'm doing good things. I think everything that I'm doing, I've definitely done more good things than I've done bad things. Okay, that's not it. But that's where we want to go, right? It's not about that. You need to have faith as your foundation. And what is that? That is trust in Christ for your salvation. That is the difference. That is the difference. All right, in verse 3, the author is giving a practical example then as he goes on for believers to understand more clearly. So in verse 3, he says, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. So what he is doing here in setting up, getting ready to talk about faith, he's giving them a practical example. He's saying, okay, look, we all agree on this. And they do, they do absolutely believe in this. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. These readers would 100% agree with that. They say, yes, absolutely. They have faith in creation. They did not witness God creating the universe, but they believe it. Just like you and I believe it, but they believe. So Genesis 1.1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, right, over and over again, there, let there be light. God spoke everything into existence. Everything made from what? The invisible. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Right? God spoke it into existence. Romans 1, 19 and 20 shows that there's evidence all around us about our creator. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine natures, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. I love the way Paul sets this up here and he is talking about if you see creation it is beautiful evidence of our creator and how powerful and what he does. That is the evidence. So if you see creation, you're without excuse. You're without excuse. His eternal power and divine nature are plain to us because of his creation. But notice there he says, by faith we understand. By faith we understand. He's pulling them in. And saying, listen, this is something we all believe in. Now we're going to talk about the heroes of faith. So this is an amazing setup to talk about these heroes. Now what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're talking about the heroes that are pre-flood. So, And I'll give you a word here. It's called antediluvian. Antediluvians is what you would refer to them. And that's your word of the day. Maybe a word that you didn't know. That is pre-flood, the people who are in this era. So Abel. Enoch and Noah is who we're going to be talking about today. So we'll start in verse 4. It says, By faith, 
Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, the author states there that Abel's sacrifice was more, right? Was more. It was acceptable to God. Uh, He was commended as righteous. So what I want to do is I want to look back. I want to go back to Genesis together and read this story uh, together. So let's go back in Genesis 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10 to kind of put this in context to what the author here is describing. So Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. So two boys born, Cain and Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. So we see first that Cain brought an offering. What was it? It was the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. We see a warning there that God gives to Cain because what? Sin is crouching at the door, and he must overcome it. So what happens? He doesn't overcome it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now, such an amazing story there and such a tragic story that we see about the two brothers. Two offerings brought before God. So why was Abel's accepted and Cain's wasn't? Well, it doesn't doesn't really say like why he accepted one and why he didn't. But we can see the difference between the two offerings and we can infer. We can see a difference there. So what was the difference? So Abel's said it was the firstborn, and also it was a blood sacrifice. Now, we don't see instructions given to them at this point, but we do know that after the fall, God covered Adam and Eve by what? He killed animals and put skin over them. So we see the first sacrifice was made to cover sin, right? And that was pointing to who? Jesus. So we know that has happened. So we see that his was a blood sacrifice. Now it could have just been the attitude in the heart of Abel and how he gave. So we see that Abel had faith in his worship, how he worshiped and his offering in worship. So what do we see here in the text? Just like Abel, we must show faith in worship. Faith in worship. He was obedient in his worship and gave what? The firstborn? The first and the best went to worship God. He had faith in his worship 
1 John 3, 11 and 12. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was, one of, the evil, who was uh, of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So we see there even John is talking about what is the difference in Abel. He is righteous. Abel's deeds were righteous in what he did. Now, I want to make a note here because obviously I think this is an important point. We see that Abel was righteous, but it wasn't a happy ending for Abel, right? He did what was good for the Lord. He worshiped in faith and gave, right, his firstborn or the, the first of his flock, but then he ended up murdered. So when we look at that, we must realize that at, there's nothing promised. Even in his faithfulness, Abel was still murdered. It's not a happy ending. But through God's word, his actions still speak to us. We see his faithfulness in what he did. And that's what we can learn and that's what we can see from this. His actions show that we should give the first of our offering. God deserves the best from us, right? Not the leftovers. Uh, I was thinking thinking about leftovers, and one of the things that I love to do when Desiree and I get up, we cook breakfast, we like to sit on the porch, and we have our dog come out. Now, Mocha is, man, she is old. She's an old puppy. And, uh, but she'll sit there, and what I'll do is I'll eat, and she'll just sit there and drool all over the place while I'm eating. And by the time I'm done, I'll have, like, you know, crumbs and scraps that I'll give her. And this has become like a routine now over the last 10 years. So she's sitting there drooling, and then I'll give her the scraps when I'm done. Like, that's what's left over. I enjoyed my breakfast and gave her what was left over. Now, could you imagine if I cooked this big, beautiful breakfast and I went out and I said, Mocha, here you go, here you go, and I ate the scraps what was left over? That would be absurd, wouldn't it? But I want you to think about just for a minute, when you think about your life and your relationship with God and your walk with Jesus, what does he get? Does he get your scraps, what is left over? At the end of the month, is it like, well, this is what I got. You know, I haven't spent much time in prayer. I haven't spent much time uh, reading my Bible. You know, this is what money's left over. These are my scraps that I'm just going to give. No, we learn and see here from Abel what? He gave what was first. God should be our priority. You know, you look at it, everything. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, I'm breathing. God has given me, my heart is pumping, I'm breathing, everything I have is why? Because of God. I get what I, you know, the money that comes in is a blessing from God. So it is his, so I will gladly and generously give to him in, in however I can and what I do. God should be our priority. All we have is because of him. We give our time and resources, what? With glad hearts to worship in faith. That's what we do, worship in faith, when we step out in faith and give him the first fruits. So I would ask, do you worship in faith or does he get your leftovers? We learn from Abel, this hero of faith, to have faith in worship. Do you have faith in what you give? Are you stepping out in faith? Let's look at our next hero, Enoch. 
Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. By faith, once again, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now if you look at Enoch, also I've heard Enoch, whichever way you pronounce his name, is a mystery man of the Bible. Like, if you want to find out about Enoch, and you're like, I'm going to find out. What it, it is just a small portion of what is in Scripture that we can learn about him. So I want to go there. So let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 5, verse 21 through 24. Now, as we look there, we'll see what we can learn about Enoch. Verse 21 says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. That's it. That's what we got to go on here. As we look at that, who was Enoch? Well, first of all, you say, well, he lived 365 years. Man, to us, that's like, woo. But if you look at the time, in the context of what, how long people were living at the time, it was like 800, 900 years. So the, the fact that he was at 365 years, Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. For God took him. It's very clear and to the point. But Enoch had faith in his walk with God. That is what we see here, and that's what the author is taking away. So what do we see here in the text? First we saw faith in worship. Now we see what? Faith in walking. Faith in walking. Enoch was walking with God, and then he was not. God spared him death and took him to heaven. Now this is similar to, if you, if you read this, if you if you talk about the rapture and what that looks like, I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Uh, when we talk about when Jesus comes back, what that looks like. Paul wrote it here in 1 Thessalonians. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now, when we read that, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? I mean, we look at that and that's like, wow. Like, I don't even know what that would be like to be caught up in the air. But we look at Enoch and we can kind of see something similar here if we look at Scripture and see that. This could give us an idea of what happened with Enoch. So what happens before Enoch was taken? Well, the author says that before Enoch was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So he walked in close communion with him. So what does it mean to walk with God? You commune, right? You spend time together when you are walking with someone. I think about, um, I love to go on the bike path, like in Brookville. I think there's a blessing that we have this bike path. Somebody after the first service came up and said, I agree, the bike path is like a wonderful thing that we have here that we should take advantage of. Well, me and my wife love to go to the bike path, and on that we walk together, and it's a time for us to spend time together, and we spend time talking about lots of stuff, right? And what do we do? We walk side by side and share conversation together the whole time. 
Now, when you think about your walk with God, I want you to think about it kind of the same way. Are you doing that? Are you walking side by side with God? Are you spending time with him? And is it important? Right? I don't, when I'm walking with my wife, I don't leave her behind, right? And just say, well, she'll catch up with me at some point. Or I don't walk slower. No, I walk with her because part of the, the joy of walking with her is spending time with her. And that is how we should look at our walk with God. So how should we live our lives walking with God? Uh, as I look through the scripture, I'm like, uh, what's a good scripture that would represent that and how we should live? Uh, Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself, up for, and gave himself for me. You see here this beautiful picture of what it means to live your life for Christ. Live your, li- live your daily life with God, crucified with Christ. So what does that mean to be crucified with Christ? What do you live for? Are you walking with God? That means you die to yourself and live for him. It says, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul is saying there, the life that I now live in flesh, right? Here on earth, live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. What a beautiful example. Now, It says there in the scripture, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, that is a strong statement, and I want you to see that as a strong statement. It doesn't say, well, without faith, you know, it's difficult to please God. No. Scripture says there, it is impossible to please God. So in your walk, if you want to please God, you have to walk with him by faith. Live your daily life crucified with Christ. So what does that mean? It means reading his word. It means praying. Walk with him and live your life with him. It is not somebody you don't know, a stranger. You should be, it should be somebody that you spend time with getting to know. And you got to be in his word. That is so important. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. We have got to be immersing ourselves in God's word. Now, we're doing that right now, but are you doing that through the week? And I know it's so easy not to, like, get in a routine and, and not be in God's word. But to commune with God, you have got to be here to commune with God. You have got to be in his word. So I want you to think about your walk. What does that look like? Evaluate yourself. Learn from Enoch. Have faith in walking with God. All right, let's move on to our next hero. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, Noah is well known, like we know the story of Noah, and he's known also as a hero for his faith. So, so Noah was warned about events that were, what, as yet unseen. So 
He was doing something that God instructed. He was being obedient, and he didn't really understand why or what was going to happen. So let's look at the story in Genesis. Genesis 6, verse 9. We're going to read through 14. Just, just a piece of it. Starting in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. So right there we see again how important that is. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. As you go on and throughout this uh, uh, chapter 6, you see how he followed these instructions. But Noah had faith while he worked in obedience to God. So what do we see here in the text? Well, first of all, think about this. For 120 years, like, to put this in perspective, Noah spent 120 years without understanding what rain was. Like, God instructed him to build a boat in the middle of land. Okay, I will do that. But we see it as, well, we know a flood is coming because the rain is going to come and water is going to come. Noah had no idea. He's just like, okay, well, I'll be obedient and build this boat. Can you imagine? I'm sure he was ridiculed. I'm sure the people called him crazy. But he still was obedient in what he did. So what do we see here? We see faith in worship, faith in walking, and with Noah, we see faith in working. Faith in working. He was obedient to God's plan, even without fully understanding. And I think that is so, that, that shows his faith, right? That shows faith. Genesis 6, says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So he was obedient. He did it all. It said, in reverent fear to God. Now, as it went on there, it says, by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So what does it mean he condemned the world? He condemned, well, he warned the people of God's judgment, right? The world was corrupt. It says he was an heir of righteousness. Because of his faith, there's the link again between righteousness and faith. He was the heir of righteousness because of this. His faith revealed the people's unbelief. Matthew 24, 37 through 39. Um, this is Jesus talking. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For, for as in those days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man. Now, that is a warning. You see what Jesus is talking about there, that the corrupt world that was happening when God decided to start over, 
And that was a picture, that was a beautiful picture of what was coming in Christ. The ark is a picture of Christ, and the only way to be saved is through Jesus, pointing to him. So, are you working to be obedient like Noah in a corrupt world? You know, we look around and what are we doing if you look at Noah and his faith and what he did in being obedient? Are we doing the same thing? But you say, well, God's not telling me to build a boat. Well, there's lots of things. You don't need to build a boat to be obedient in this world that we're in. If you follow this hero's example and be obedient to God in your daily life, you know, one of the things was he wasn't afraid to be mocked in what he was doing. And you look at that, and that is such a big thing because I think a lot of times what we as Christians, as Christ followers, get wrapped up in is fear. We're afraid people are going to judge us. What we're doing, we're afraid to say something. People are going to uh, say something to us. But we see an example here in Noah that he didn't, he, Noah wasn't afraid to be mocked in what he did. So I'd ask you, are you only focused on your own needs or are you also focused on God's kingdom and how you can pour into the kingdom? Ask God what he wants you to do and how you can serve him, how you can make a difference. He will give you an opportunity to serve him. Now, I love the video today of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and I hope that you are blessed by that because I miss them, that they're, they're gone. And for us to get, like, to be able to, like, it's like we're sitting in the living room and the kids are coming and going and, you know, and it, it feels like you're there with them and to see how they're all doing. And, like, even uh, uh, Henry with his glasses, like, we, I hadn't seen him with glasses. That was something new they didn't even know. And now all of a sudden they find out that he could barely see. So they got these big glasses to put on him. But they're just adorable in what they do. But if you look at them, and you look at what they do, they went across the world to be obedient to God and what they are doing. That is being a hero in my mind and what they are doing. Now, they would probably say, no, don't call me. We're not heroes. Like, but they are stepping out in faith in what they are doing, be obedient, moving to another country, learning another language and what they're doing. To me, that is amazing and, what they, and how they are living out and, and just by faith being obedient to God. So they also sent us this other, this, these, uh, other clip of, I will say, Smith Jr. In this, in this video. I just want to show you this real quick. It's just a short clip, and it's actually on the streets, and you'll hear like, them praying in, in the background that this, over the speakers, over the intercoms, and this is what they hear during this time. But I want you to pay attention to Smith Jr. in this, in this video. Let's take a look. Now, when you look at that short clip, what I, when I saw that, I'm like, wow. It, like, I'm talking about heroes. And look at, he's standing there with a cape on, and he's, like, looking out over the city. Like, I will help the city. By what? Sharing the gospel. And you see that he is, that they are learning a language, and they are there being obedient in what they do. And I thought that was, like, a perfect picture, like, of being a hero and what he is doing. Um, 
So following Noah's example, we must have faith in working and being obedient to build the kingdom. Now, you're saying, how can I, how can I, I can't move across the country. Well, there's so many ways that we can build and pour into the kingdom and what we are doing. Uh, you could serve the body, you know. There's so many people that are in need in our, in our own church body that you can pour into them and to help other people. You could serve the community. You can go to Target Dayton. You can share the gospel there and what you're doing. Um, you can join a ministry here at the church. You can create your own ministry if you see something that's not being done or there's something that, that you're like, well, I see a need here. You want to start a ministry? Let's talk about that. There are so many ways that you can start to do in God's kingdom. But the most important thing that God has called us to do is share the gospel. So we should be sharing and speaking the gospel and talk to other people about God's amazing grace through his son. And that's what we can do. All right, so we've seen three examples of heroes of faith. We've seen Abel, who worshiped by faith, Enoch, who walked by faith, and Noah, who worked by faith. So what is our next step today? Our next step is this, grow in faith. Grow in faith. I want you to grow in our trust of Christ. Remember, faith is trust. So what do I mean by grow? The reason I use grow is because all of us, wherever you're at, right, in your faith, can grow. Now, if you are here today and you do not have, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, and you're like, I don't really understand. I thought if I do good things, then I would be good. And, I, and now you're telling me, no, that's, that's not it. Well, to believe in uh, God, as we saw in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. This idea that God created. And if you are overwhelmed by that, but to understand all, each and every one of us need a savior, right? We are born into sin. We're an enemy of God because of the fall. And what happened? And Jesus is the only way for us. He is the only way. So we can surrender to him, right? Repent, confess with our mouths that he is Lord. But that means he is in control. So are you putting him in control of your life? And are you living by faith with him in control of your life? You put your confidence in him. You trust in him. You live by faith. Then uh, we can grow in our relationship by example. We worship like Abel, right? So if you worship like Abel, what does that mean? You give to him by faith. You give to him, give back to him by faith. You walk like Enoch. You spend time with God by faith. You work like Noah. You work for the kingdom by faith. Like each of those things, do you see the example that they set and what it points to? And as we go on, our faith will continue to grow as what? We are tested in what we do. James 1, verses 2 through 4, we ended with this scripture last week. And I was like, this is the perfect scripture to end with this week also. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Each and every one of us are going to have trials. Living by faith, we're going to have trials. That's when we, we're surrendered to him. We ask for guidance daily from the Holy Spirit and what we do. 
And as our faith is tested, we grow in steadfastness. Our faith will grow. So let's grow in our faith together as we commit to fully live by faith in our daily lives. As we have seen from the examples and as we continue to see as we go through chapter 11, these other examples yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today just thankful and we are overwhelmed by your grace and the examples that we see uh, from reading in the text today. Father, it is, we should never take for granted the blessing it is to come together, to be able to learn from your word, to be able to come together as a community. And Father, we just seek your guidance and wisdom as we uh, read through the scripture. Father, I ask that if there is anybody here who has not surrendered their lives, Father, that you continue to uh, work in their hearts and draw them close to you as they will understand what it means to, to live by faith and to be a believer. Father, those of us who are going about our days and not living by faith, Father, I, I pray that each and every day we seek you in all that we do. We worship you by how we give back to you. We worship you by walking with you in our daily lives. And Father, uh, that you use us to help build your kingdom as we share the gospel, as we work to serve others, and as we follow the instructions of your Son, our perfect Savior, as we listen to the Holy Spirit. Father, we're so thankful for this time together today, and we just ask that you um, continue to lead us in our everyday lives. So we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.